0: and welcome back to The Humans of James River. Today, you are listening to Season 2, Episode 7, and my guest is Mrs. Ashley Hewlett, who is a Specialty Center Coordinator at James River High School. She'll be talking about her experiences being a Black female educator in CCPS, and I hope that you all enjoy. All
1: right, so my name is Ashley Hewlett, And I am a proud educator at James River High School. And I've actually been in Chesterfield all of my life. It's a little crazy to say that, but I do love Chesterfield. I love Richmond. Uh, I'm a product of Chesterfield County Schools. I went to Bensley Elementary, Fallen Creek Middle School, and Meadowbrook High School. And it's interesting, um, growing up in Chesterfield, the schools that I went to, definitely have a different demographic than what you see now in in many ways but I, I do still think that there's an element of um, what's the word I'm looking for culture and spirit that is still present there so for example being at Fallen Creek Middle and Meadowbrook I never knew it but we were probably more of a predominantly black school if people were on, from the outside looking in would describe us. But I honestly never knew that when I was attending the schools. I didn't know it until other people would say comments like Ghetto Brook or um, label the schools as such. Uh, but when I was sitting in AP classes, for example, Mr. Neighbors AP class, shout out to Mr. Neighbors back at Meadowbrook High School. Um, It was a little bit of everybody, and I will say that that's very different from what I see at James River now. Um, There were a lot of shared experiences where socioeconomic status was not as varied as I see in some other schools. So um, my schools are more of a melting pot, but in terms of Economic status, a lot of people were in the same realm or the same bubble. Um, after graduating from Meadowbrook, I attended Old Dominion University. And once again, I was at a school that I wasn't at an HBCU, a historically black college or university. Um, ODU at the time was probably considered a PWI, as some will call it a predominantly white institution, But there was always this pocket of students. Like I joined the Black Student Alliance. I joined uh, my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And so I was always able to connect with others who looked like me in some form or fashion, which I think was very important growing up. And I, I had teachers, you know, at Bensley, Fallen Creek, and Meadowbrook that I could identify with and relate to. And... There was always someone who, who looked like me. And I mention that because I've had students in the past at James River where I've asked, you know, who who was your first black teacher? And the answer was you, Miss Hewlett. And for me, for a senior in high school to not have had a teacher of color until their 12th grade year, is that blows my mind. So. I think one of the reasons I did go into education was to be that individual that one, my students of color could identify with, but then also students who are not of color to be able to see an example that may be different from the conversations that they have at home. Um, So after Old Dominion had a great time there, I started teaching at James River as an English teacher. And I was simultaneously getting my master's degree at VCU. So that was fun as a new teacher. And um, taught English for five years, I believe it was, and then transitioned to the specialty center coordinator role. So I've been doing that for, if I'm not mistaken, eight years now. And my experiences as an educator at James River have definitely been influential. So I'll say that. Um, There have been a lot of pros and positives in terms of I've been able to share my experiences with students, uh, the good and the bad, (laughs) in terms of how I grew up. Because how I grew up was different from many of the students at um, James River. We didn't have a lot of money necessarily growing up, but I never knew that. I didn't know that until I would honestly come on this side of the town, like come to Midlothian. It was kind of like um, once you got near Chesterfield town center, it was like a different world (laughs) in terms of Chesterfield and how drastically different things were from like the Southern end of the County to the Northern end. Uh, But I I have enjoyed being able to share with them what life was like. Um, Like I said, we didn't have a lot, but I never knew that because like my parents, money wasn't wasn't how we show love, but I I was always taken care of, always provided for. And then I was going to school with people where I'm not going to say no one, no one talked about their trips to Europe, but that wasn't a severely common thing. Whereas when I started teaching at James River, it was, you know, I have a lake house and a boat house and I'm going to Europe for for a month over the summer, which is just different from something that I would say that I experienced growing up. Um, there have definitely been some I'm not going to say negatives, but some experiences that have shaped me as an educator. And then I'll just say like a, a black female at James River, there have been times when I've been maybe one of five in the faculty of 100. Um, right now, it might be maybe 10. I usually can tell you the number. And some people chuckle at that. But that's if you were to ask any other faculty of color, how many, I bet you right off bat, they can tell you. And it's because whenever you're in spaces where you are the minority, you're very aware of it whether people make you aware of it or not. Um, And when you do have a faculty of 100, for example, and you look around at a faculty meeting and it's only nine or 10, you know, you're you're very aware of that and how you encounter people and in how you move. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. Um, But there have been some times where I've experienced things like microaggressions, which I've talked to students about in the past. But for those who don't know, those subtle comments or remarks that I think sometimes people mean for them to be complimentary. However, they can come across insulting, you know, Um, comments like you don't talk black or and I know a lot of our students, I've had conversations with them. And they've heard things like that at at, at the school Um, or you're so articulate. It's like, why wouldn't I be? Do you say that to other individuals um, when you hear them speak? Or, you know, people have told me they don't see my color, which to me is completely offensive. And I know it comes from a good place in terms of I see you as a person. But for me, my skin color is a part of who I am. I don't want anyone to pity me because. I'm black. And even with what's going on now, like I'm so proud to be um, a black woman and I don't want anyone pitting me or showing empathy. You know, empathy is not the word, right word. I don't want anyone sympathizing with me. I don't need you to sympathize. I need you to work with me. And if there are things going on that shouldn't be going on, help me fix those things. So I'll say like the microaggressions are definitely something I've experienced. Um, I know when I got my role as department chair for English, uh, someone told me that I got it because I was black, which was completely insulting. Um, And it's things like that that can be discouraging, you know, in terms of one, you had the audacity to tell me that, I appreciate you telling me to my face and not saying it behind my back, but this is an individual who I'm not here to, you know, talk bad about anybody, but they didn't get the position. And, you know, I guess they're feeling swept away. Um, but for me, how insulting is that, that all of my credentials, what I've worked for is thrown out the window because that's the only thing that you can use as an excuse as to why you didn't get the position. And the one thing that, um, I'm hoping in the future people can do is take joy in people of color advancing instead of claiming it's due to affirmative action, you know, inclusion or diversity. I've had many a times where I've had some of my students of color come to me because students have said that they got something because of affirmative action or they got something because of the color of their skin. When I know that those students could run circles around the people who said it, But instead, they have to defend themselves. Whereas I wonder, do other people have to do that when it comes to their legacy experience or something like that? You know, Um, so those are just a couple of of examples of, you know, being an educator. And you've probably heard that there's this narrative of the angry black woman. Uh, Michelle Obama talks about it a lot. But in terms of being in the the workplace, having to censor yourself at times because you don't want to be labeled as such, um, internally policing some of the things that you may want to say. But there's just a different way that you're taught to move. So growing up as, as a little black girl, for example, like my parents taught me at an early age that there are certain things that you cannot do. That your white friends can. And I know like at seven, eight years old, I didn't really, really understand that. But um, I totally get it now in terms of what they they mean by that. And I I see that even in the workplace in terms of not even at James River, but just in general, um, in terms of double standards, in terms of how people um, allow certain things to happen for some rather than others. How growing up, you know, certain groups can make mistakes, quote unquote, and it's just, oh, they're just being teenagers while others, it's automatically a crime, you know, things like that. Um, But I've always grown up having conversations about what your skin color means and what it means you can and cannot do. Um, There's an increased level of awareness that you need to have when you're entering certain spaces um, even down to like in a faculty meeting, like being aware of who I sit next to. Like I'll never forget like years ago, um, it was like a group of us who were all black and we sat at a table together at a faculty meeting and it was definitely um, noticed <laughs> just in terms of, you know, no one said anything, but it was kind of like, hmm, are all sitting together, that type of thing. Um, so just being aware of the space that you're in. I remember going to a conference with a couple of colleagues years ago, and we were in like Minnesota, I believe it was. And we walked into the mall and we have been there for about five, 10 minutes. And I said, there aren't any black people here or any minorities. And they were like, you noticed that? Of course I noticed that. Um, There's just a, like I said, there's a level of awareness that you have when you're in spaces where, you know, I Google, like if I go to a different town, I'm going to Google to be quite honest, how did they vote? I'm going to Google the demographics because I need to know what type of environment that I could possibly be putting myself into. And I even did that when I was researching, you know, schools as an educator. Um, so I'll say that some people don't have to do that. And I I think that's even a privilege, right? The fact that you don't have to, when you come to work, you can just come to work. But there's this added level of, I don't know if I want to use pressure, but sometimes it can feel like pressure. Um, This added level of focus on not being perceived as threatening or having to be 10 times better, if you will, because you don't want your race to be a reason why you've, quote unquote, messed up. And then there's also this level of this pressure of having to represent for your race. Like, I'll be honest, like I'm I'm in a position where, like, I'm not going to say I'm the face of a program, but I'm definitely like my name is attached I can't afford to do anything that could mess up that legacy or that reputation. Um, And I'll say that whoever's in that role probably feels that way, but I do believe that there's added pressure being a black female in charge of a predominantly white program that comes with it, whether it's stated or not. So um, I'll say to kind of close up my, my experiences, it's, for me, it's been good though. Like I enjoy working at a school that I'm able to connect with kids who, like I, like I said earlier, may not have been able to interact with me. And if I really were to be honest, there, there is a level, I go through this every year of guilt of why am I not at Meadowbrook, right? Like why am I not Like, I've been told, like, there are some schools that need you more than James River. So there's this level of guilt that I experience sometimes in terms of, am I doing everything that I can in the position that I'm in to serve my community? But then I go back to, there are kids at James River who need me too, and they may need me in a different way. It doesn't mean that I'm a sellout or anything like that. Um, Which sometimes people can be quick to say, you know, label you or make comments like that. But there is this internal struggle of, you know, should you be in a community that fully resembles, you know, your values or what you look like in your culture? Or is, are there other opportunities for you to serve a different community and be able to reach some kids in a
0: different way? So, Thank you so much. That was amazing. And I'm really excited to That's ask you a question. questions. <laughs> but the first thing I actually, I just think is just kind of emphasizing what you're saying. I've been um, talking with Mrs. Mosley, who's going to be um, in a couple from where I'm posting this episode, she's going to be out in January, um, who if the listeners don't know who she is yet, mm-hmm. she's a biracial teacher um, at James mm-hmm. River. She's, Um, a biology teacher and she's been in the same chess field her entire life and the thing that you were just saying she was like telling me things like the counting of the room and all that like that is so accurate because she was telling me that exact same thing (laughs) like it just totally emphasizes it um so I think I just found that when I heard that I was like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh like yeah, I know your conversation been great with her oh no she's she's awesome too Yeah, yeah I'm definitely excited for that as well um <laughs> <laughs> yeah is. so um just kind of building off as well what you were just saying mm-hmm. um with being one of possibly like 10 of a 100 or some crazy stat like that um of P- a person of color at Jane River how would that kind of also like change your perspective of being a teacher like I know you kind of talked about that but just thinking you know, going from Meadowbrook or like to schools who, that are, you know, there's more people who look like you and are, are you know, it, all that to going to, I mean, I go to Jane the been here, it's a lot of white people. Um, So I'm just wondering how, especially, you know, going from college to now being a teacher at a predominantly white school, how is that kind of teacher perspective in like the style of teaching or just like how, how did it change how you, how am I wording this? <laughs> how you go about it, kind of, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'll, I'll say that I don't think it's necessarily changed my style of teaching or perspective because Ashley Hewlett's going to be Ashley Hewlett in whatever setting that she's in. Um, I'll say that there – I have to be more aware of how I am perceived rather than how I'm perceiving others. I'll say that. Uh, And just in terms of, I've always honestly been able to float in and out of different circles, which I think has benefited me, particularly at James River, for example. Uh, Like even though I went to Meadowbrook, Fallen Creek, Bensley, Like I said, like even being in Old Dominion, like I was a student ambassador, which was, you know, a mixed group. I've always been able to kind of navigate within different groups. So I'll say I don't think that my style of teaching has changed because my expectations for kids are my expectations for kids, regardless of what they look like. You know, um, they're high. I don't care what color you are. You know, I'm going to love on you. But at the same time, the students who have me know my expectations are going to be high and you don't get a pass because either you look like me or you don't look like me, you know? And I think for me, I just more so want students to be able when they get outside of James River, understand that things look or can look very, very different than what they look like within the four walls of James River. And you're going to encounter people who even more so, don't think like you or act like you. And I want them to be able to be comfortable navigating within different circles and not being in this bubble, if you will, sometimes that Melothian can can have. And I think college, depending on the college often, the college is a great time to pop that bubble, if you will, and meet and, and dialogue with people whose backgrounds are just completely different from yours and it's also going to be the this the same in the workplace right like I think because I was able to navigate different circumstances and how my parents raised me you know I could have reacted to that teacher very differently (laughs) who told me that I got my position because only solely because I'm black but um, I think my experiences being able to work with different people and um, I think that that's helped me to be able to react and respond to, to people when I, I have people tell me ignorant things like that instead of possibly responding a lot differently than I may have when I was younger.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely. And I'm glad to hear, um, you know, obviously I, well, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I've told you this. That I want to be a teacher and obviously it's, I'm in a different position because I am white, but also, you know, being, although it's a pretty female dominated profession, it's still, you know, if I eventually, you know, I, I'd like to be a principal one day. That's like the dream, but like being a female, in a higher position, like even that could change a lot of perspective. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. It cut out really quick.
1: I said bless oh. you for
0: wanting to be a principal. <laughs> yeah, well, I said bless, bless you. you. What happened? <laughs> no, it's not an easy job no, at definitely, all. definitely, definitely not. <laughs> I'm expecting probably a lot of hardship, but we'll see. Um, but this hearing that how doesn't really change your perspective is good. Um and then kind of thinking about you saying how you feel kind of a guilt about um you know not being at Meadowbrook where you were or you know not working I guess with a predominantly black school, but how, like, I like to ask like advice, type of questions. Um, Like at Dean River, we definitely out of like, you know, the Cosby and the mid low, we are a little bit more diverse. Um, Still not like crazy, obviously, but you know, do you think in a way it is more beneficial to be at a school that has um, a smaller black community because, those kids don't necessarily see. um, And I mean, obviously from our staff as well, they don't really see a lot of black teachers or a lot of, you know, black women, black leaders um, in their personal life. Like obviously he like Michelle Obama and like Oprah, like amazing other, but like, that's not a personal connection. Um, Do you think maybe you being here is like a part of that type of fate, I guess, if you will. And also what, type of advice would you give to some of the people of color, not even just the Black community at um, James River?
1: Well, first, I definitely think everything is intentional uh, in terms of where we end up. I'll never forget when I accepted my job at James River, one of the other schools you mentioned that's not as diverse Like called me that afternoon to offer me a job because I guess it hadn't gone through yet. And I had just accepted my job at James River. And I think about, oh my goodness, what would it be like if I were at that school rather than, you know, at James River. And the other school that you mentioned, that same list, I student taught there, which was a, a different experience than <laughs> what um, I'm used to at James River. So I'll say like, for sure, I, I definitely think that I've met some people co-workers, um, students who I know that I was supposed to be in their lives and I know that they were supposed to bless mine as well. So I always think everything happens for a reason. And I think that guilt is just something that, you know, I'll definitely get over, but there's purpose in me being at James River. And some of it I may not know right now. And then some of it I've definitely seen over the years which I'm grateful for. So a lot of it deals more with the people and, and it surpasses like the teaching piece of it. And then um, your question in terms of advice, were you thinking more like for our students of color? Yeah, I was thinking probably more um, students. Okay. I'll say, and I'm going to speak in terms of, i had many conversations with students of color at James River, just like one-on-one conversations. And I would encourage them to keep speaking up. I think there are a lot of times there have been, when I mentioned microaggressions earlier, there have been so many times that they have experienced these comments that have either been belittling them, they've been offensive, and they haven't said anything. So what happens is, You're moving in these circles where when you don't say anything, it's telling your peers, your friends, whomever, that what they've said is okay, And you've allowed them permission to be able to make certain comments. So if you are offended, you need to say something. Um, And at the same token, don't be afraid. And I'm taking my own advice to celebrate your culture and a place where you are not the majority because sometimes like I know we have some students who have no problem rocking you know their afrocentric attire or their natural hair where when I was in school that was not a thing like you did not wear your hair naturally um and now it is so much more accepted and I love that uh, but i I still hear and even as black women in general like there are still conversations of do I straighten my hair for this job interview because that is considered more accepting uh, and I wonder if some of our kids do that at school as well you know or even like if they apply to our center for their interview do they do that I, I don't know um, but there's this, There's this connection with, this is a whole nother conversation, but a connection with whiteness being being right or being acceptable, whether that goes to hair, um, certain products, you know, things like that, where I would encourage our students to share their culture, share their experiences, and don't be afraid to do that. Um, and, And sometimes that takes time. Cause I even I over the years with my coworkers, particularly those in, in the department, I've been able to share certain experiences, but that didn't come out right out the gate, like when we started, you know, talking and working with each other. That came with, with me being more comfortable with them and then being willing to listen and, and wanting to learn, you know, more about my experiences, more about my culture which then allowed me to want to share more but at the same time what I have appreciated is people not wanting me to be the Rosetta Stone of black women because I'm not my experiences are my experiences and I would also encourage our students who aren't of color to not automatically turn to the one black student in your class and ask them to explain all of their experiences as a black student. You know what I mean? Like we've had students who have sat in classes where that has happened. And I don't think that that's the way to go either. You know, in terms of, you, you certainly want them to share their experiences, but they're an individual. So like, I can't speak for the entire black race because my experiences, some of them are gonna be different from Ms. Mosley's, which is gonna be different from Ms. Bradley, which is gonna be different from Coach Core. And Mr. Riley and Coach Riley, you know, so, which I can name all of them, but I'm not. (laughs) Because remember, it's only like 10. Um, (laughs) But just know that we aren't necessarily speaking for the entire race. So please don't ask us to do so. But we're happy to speak on our own experiences. And so I encourage our students to still be
0: able to do that. Right? I think that's, first of all, just some great advice. But, you know, thinking about, obviously, I'm a white girl, so... You know, I've been in, I have never, I've tried to be very mindful of what's appropriate and what's not, but I've definitely been in classes where that has happened. Um, And, you know, it's been like my friend who gets uncomfortable and I'm like, why are you asking like them these questions? (laughs) Like, that's not okay. But I think that's definitely something, you know, I don't think people do that necessarily to be mean or insensitive it's just like you have to think through it before you ask those types of questions so I think that's definitely something to be mindful of um, and something um, that was making me think is um, if you also had any insider advice for new teachers who are maybe a person of color at a, like at like the endeavor because I know we just got a bunch of new teachers I know I don't know them by name but um, we just got a bunch of new teachers and like you know especially people of color, Um, who are going to not even just in Chesfield, but like anywhere that it's like a predominantly white school. If you have anything worth of advice or just your own experiences that you would like to share um, with um, those people. Uh, I would say
1: just continue to be yourself and not try to censor, like I was saying earlier, which is something that I, I've experienced, I'm not saying that that's something I'm proud of, but just try to show your authentic self as much as possible and just show who you are as a person. Because at the end of the day, I'm still Ashley. You know, um, like I said earlier, being Black is definitely something that I'm proud of, um, but it's not necessarily something I need to talk about. 24 hours a day. I'm, 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 I'm aware of my race, you know, for sure. Because it's something I'm proud of and it's something that I know people see. But I also want people to just get to know me. And I think for our new teachers, that, that's key. And don't necessarily try to treat students differently because of, you know, whether it's their backgrounds or things like that, like in terms of expectations. But I still think that there's a level of compassion that may need to happen. Um, If you know of a student who is dealing with a certain situation or you know that they have a background that's a little bit more um, troubling, things like that. But what I don't want is for teachers to just look at a certain student, like an Asian student, for example, and say, I expect this student to be X, Y, and Z. The same for a white student or a black student, a Hispanic student, whatever the case may be. Um, instead, I would like for us to look at those qualities about them and celebrate them within the classroom, but not judge them because of it. So, I hope that makes sense.
0: Well, oh, that one hundred percent makes sense, and I think, um, like I said, as someone who wants to be an educator, I think that's definitely, you know, celebrating every like you know. I don't know where I'm going to be teaching, but celebrating everyone, no matter you know what they're. I love like learning about different cultures, um, and just all that stuff, and I think incorporating that in the classroom, especially like you know even obviously that's very important high school, but even like at like the elementary age, like if you get that, like get the kids started with already feeling like inclusive mm-hmm. and, um, getting culture, cult, culturally <laughs> educated at a young age, I think that's super important. Um, but that's basically all the questions I have for you. Um, do you have any else, any, um, final thoughts or anything? Mm, I don't
1: think so. I enjoyed, um, Our talk, I'll say just for everyone, whether it's students, faculty members, community members, uh, just keep in mind the advantages that you've had over the years and how that can affect your opinions um, of others and to to just walk with empathy. I think... When students do that and when individuals do that, I think we can move the needle more. So Um, so we've heard the phrase checking your privilege, you know, and and really talking about what does that look like? Uh, Because sometimes like your lack of disadvantages has caused you not to fully understand someone else's experiences. And the only way that we can fully understand those experiences is through dialogue And talking with each other and really sitting down and that's one thing that i would love to see like of course a platform like this certainly helps and then also having people you know step outside of their comfort zone and and talk to some people who they may have never had a conversation with otherwise because i think that's when you start to stretch yourself and when you can really gain an, an understanding that you would have normally not been able to do so so, that's something I also try to do as well. And I encourage everyone to be able to do that as well. So,
0: thank you so much. I really enjoy talking to you. I just wanted to say thank you once again to my lovely guest, Mrs. Hewlett. I think we can all agree on how amazing she is. And if I could use one phrase to describe her, it is Boss Lady. I think that is her to a T. Miss Hila and I have gotten pretty close this year because she's not only one of my teachers, I'm also her student aide. We work together for leadership all the time. And she is just such an amazing woman. And she, you know, I've always known that I wanted to be a teacher, but she is one of the people that inspire me on the daily to just, like, she confirms that I want to go into this profession because she is just such an amazing educator and person. And at this time, I believe that she has had her baby um, when this is out on December 15th. So everyone just go send her some congratulations and love um, for baby number two. It's so exciting. Babies are so cute. So (laughs) um, yeah, everybody just go send her some love. And I'm sorry to be annoying, and I know this is every freaking podcast, but if you haven't followed us already on social media... um, Instagram and Facebook are both at humans Pod. You can also go give us a rate and little comment on iTunes if you listen to the podcast that way. Um, you know, more people can find us through there, so that would be super, super awesome. Um, as well, the GoFundMe page is up if you want to go check that out. It's linked on the website and on the Instagram and the Facebook. So you can find it multiple places just to help support um, the podcast And that's really what's making it happen. And I appreciate everyone who's donated so far and went to the Chipotle night a little while ago. I truly appreciate every single one of you. Um, Two little updates. One is for if you guys, I know the people listening to this could be bilingual, um, but I'm working on getting the podcast translated into Spanish. And so Spanish speaking um, students, Faculty or just random people who stumble across this podcast can listen to it in Espanol. Um so that's super exciting. So if you have friends, family, if you you know your first language is Spanish and you prefer to listen to the podcast in Spanish, that is coming soon. So be look, on the lookout for that. Um and more information will be coming on that, hopefully, in the very near future. And I'm very excited about it. Secondly, um, I'm working on having a fun little teacher panel series when we have teachers from James River. Um, we'll have Google Meets and give them like kind of like a basic general question, like um, for example, how's teaching? Like how's being an educator sculpted your worldview, or just something like that, um, to kind of start the conversation. But like I said, it's really a conversation uh, time for the students and the teachers to get involved and. In, Learn more about each other and just help create more sense of a community. And so, even if you're, you know, you go to Midlow or you go to Cosby or just or Meadowbrook or literally anywhere, um, and you want to jump on the on the Google Me, I think that'd be really fun. I'm really excited about it. We have some great, amazing teachers at our school. So, DM me if you have any questions or any interest in it. Um, also, just you can always DM me, email me. Um, call me. I have my phone number in the Instagram bio. If you need anything um, or if you're interested in being on the podcast, I love to just talk to you because um, I'm always here if you guys need to talk. We also have a resources tab on the website if you are need need of help, you're looking to seek help. There's a bunch of different numbers you can call on there or um, websites you can visit. Um, and yeah, I just hope that you guys are having a great week. We are, when this is coming out, it's basically for seniors, especially if you, you qualify this for the senior exemptions, it's basically winter break. Um, so that's super exciting. And I just hope that you guys are all having a great day and I look forward to speaking to you again. Bye.